are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today is the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, man, that's a loaded question, because what on earth are the Philadelphia Flyers doing? We're going to get into this in just a second. Before we do that, check out our YouTube channel. Okay, that's it. What on earth is Chuck Fletcher doing, Kevin? Um, The big news of today, and we will talk about Claude Drew, and we will talk about the trade deadline. We have a lot to get into on that end, but we have to start with the Rasmus Ristolainen five-year, $5.1 million AAV contract extension. Kevin, we've talked a lot on this show about the need for a rebuild and the need to completely strip it down and stockpile some draft picks and sell off everything not nailed down at the deadline. And Chuck Fletcher goes and signs a guy for five years at a decent amount of money. Uh, What's going on here? What do you think's going on? Uh, I'm throwing it right back to you before I talk. Well, uh, I believe the words aggressive retool are going to come out of your mouth. (laughs) Uh, They will at some point. It sure sounds like um, Chuck is attempting to patch the sinking ship. Okay. Is that that completely what you believe or is that? Yeah. It seems like. I don't really know, to be honest with you, because it seems like you're trying to get a guy locked up for long term, but he's the kind of guy that you could trade right now. You could trade Rasmus Ristolainen, retain salary on him, and get a return. Now, is it going to be a first, a second in Shane Gostaspear? No, it's not. But the sunk cost fallacy is real, and it seems as though the Flyers have doubled down on that and decided not only are they not going to trade him and recoup some assets, they are doubling down and signing him for half a decade. Okay. That's is that where we where you're leaving this one? I I guess I don't I, I want to hear your opinion on it. I don't I I don't really know how you feel. Okay, because I then I'll I'll explain it because there's still, there's a lot of people. We all know that Ristolainen's a polarizing figure, right? That's a good we all way to know put that. that. Like, well, no, we all know this. Uh, he, when he was when he was acquired, there's two sides to the argument. There's the hey, he's physical, he's big, he can do this. They didn't have that. Okay, great. And there's the oh my goodness, have you seen the numbers on the guy? Have you seen his analytics? Like, there's two sides. And truthfully, he probably falls somewhere in the middle. He's not near as bad as the analytics numbers completely tell you. But it doesn't mean he's good, right. which figure it out. What is perfectly down the middle of you're mostly at like you're mostly OK in certain areas, but the numbers aren't great. And and for the record, I'm but, just going to summarize is, it. What for is the, that? I'm just going to summarize it, by the way, for the people who don't uh, necessarily follow the analytics crowd or the analytics scene. The the general consensus on Rasmus versus line in, in the analytics scene is <sighs> Quite frankly, he's a black hole that makes every player on the ice worse. <laughs> so I, I I agree that he hasn't been that bad this year, and I was a big uh, critic of the moves that it required to get him, and I don't think he has played well enough to um, prove those criticisms false. I still think you paid too much. I I still don't necessarily think you should have moved assets to move uh, Shane Gostaspear just to acquire him. That being said, he hasn't been nearly as bad as I thought he was going to be. 
He's and been that's fair. He's been a supremely serviceable NHL defenseman. For okay. a bad team. For a bad team. Serviceable is even arguable. You know, like he's been okay. There have been certain nights where he's been your best defenseman, and I know that's not saying a whole lot because this is a a steaming pile of garbage. It's a steaming pile of garbage with with Ivan Provorov on top, who doesn't look happy this year. Um, Yeah, it's it's not great in the defensive core. Now that I really think about it, it's it's pretty ugly. Okay, so but you're hitting the area like you haven't said the magic word to me yet. But you're okay. hitting the you're hitting the area, because bar is set low. There are nights where he's your best. Most nights he's somewhere in the middle. You know there are nights where he's bad. But yep. you you kind of take all of it collectively. He's gonna have his moments. He's gonna make mistakes that are noticeable. Some nights he's gonna be perfectly fine. You know the magic word I'm looking for. Okay. Average. <sighs> okay. And and the re- that that's that's my problem with the deal. I you know you can't pay an average NHL defenseman five million dollars no, a year. That's not my problem because okay. five point one million dollars is an average annual value for a player like this is pretty much on par with where the direction is going. This is you know if if the guy plays top four minutes and it's right handed, right. it's a commodity for whatever reason teams go crazy. When it comes to the guy's right-handed and he's bigger and he's playing top four minutes, he's playing 18, 20 minutes a night. It's because there's not, not many of them. Right, but it's it's right. it's it's a crazy, you know, there, there's this crazy obsession with you got to have a guy like that. And this is why when the Flyers traded for him, there's reports about, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't just them. Seven teams were willing to throw a first on the table. They just had the highest. Right. Well, all right, then that's why people go crazy. He's right-handed. He plays top four minutes. At the time, he was playing top two minutes. Why? And for a long rate. time, the argument was, well, it's Buffalo. How's he going to do with a real team? And to be honest, he hasn't played with a real team yet. He still hasn't. <laughs> but, man, I, I, and I, for the record, I do feel bad for the guy personally because he's like seven or eight years deep into an NHL career and hasn't played a playoff game. <laughs> Ow. So, I, the way – one, yeah – but the way I had to try to explain, it, I wanted to explain it. To, I was explaining it to some, you know, to because I'm. I try to look. I, you know this. I try to stay as level headed as I can when it comes to the way that I analyze things. There's there's two sides to it. There's, you know, I'm not going to go overly crazy on oh the analytics say so that's the end all be all. I'm not going to sit there like, sure. and I, and I don't need the eye test or analytics to tell you one way or the other. He's right in the middle. Right, he and has some you and I are lights, but he's not great. Right, and you and I are have pretty similar feelings about analytics. We both kind of fall on that sliding scale somewhere in the middle, where you know we take them into account, but they're not, like you said, they're which not the for what, end all which for all. what it's worth is I don't know if you saw this or not because you know Crossing Broad does a really good job with some of the types of some of the ways that they break things down. Obviously, Anthony Sanfilippo is really right. plugged in. So Crossing Broad and quality journalism. Whoa, what a shock! <laughs> all right, don't go and like throw them under the bus here okay? no they i'm really not they're really great good. no legitimately no i was i was no because they joking. are doing they're great actually first, fantastic first all, yeah well to say first of all anthony sanfilippo is really plugged in so he's giving you a lot of like and i'm not saying like i don't go out there and then fall like basically you know for lack of a better term report what he reports i'm not right. writing stories all the time based on what he says i throw it in there occasionally because it's like hey by the way this was mentioned sometimes he's, he's not your confidential exactly, source 
well, uh, that's not how it works anyway. I know. I, you know, I, you don't just use that's that's not that's not sourcing. That's aggregating, which is totally different. Um, either way, it's you know, I, I he's really plugged in. But I don't know if you saw this or not. There was a story that he, it, Chris Terrian did because Chris Terrian's part of the podcast that they have over there. Right. No, the goalie. He talked to other like I think three coaches or something of that nature. I'd have to go back and pull up the article. This was early in the week. This was be like last Monday. So it's obviously a lot of stuff's happened, and I've read a couple things from their side that you know maybe are more fresh in my mind than that particular article. But talk to like three coaches about how much they value analytics, right? And it was basically everybody has the same attitude that I usually take with it, which is. We all use it. Every team anymore has a department for it. But there has to be a level of evaluating just from what you see, too. So it, it was a split. Like, it felt very split down the middle. Nobody was saying they make a decision based off of the numbers alone. And most of the time, one of the other keys that people are going to sit there and say is you can read and take your pick. There's multiple websites. There's multiple people on Twitter that are breaking things down. They, they'll sit there and say they have their own model for how they analyze, right? All this type of stuff. Teams do that too. So if yep. you want to sit there and look at anybody who's put a chart up on Twitter, no disrespect to them, most of the teams are sitting here going, we don't have the same numbers that you do. That's and, that's all I'm trying to get at is and a lot of the good analytics people is, have been hired. <laughs> well, that exactly right. Well, so and, the and models that are out there just aren't the top quality models because those people have been hired. Well, it, either that or it's something that they don't agree with, and that's right. why they haven't been hired either. And they just ha- and the teams also just have access to more data. Like they have all the player tracking data. They have real analytical breakdown. They do, yeah. but they do. But the other part of the equation with that is, is that, okay, you have people who are literally solo acts on Twitter. Is that, that's the best way I can put it, where they have a model, they run numbers. Every time a guy gets signed, they can put out a thing with five charts on Here's his scorecard. Well. Right. right. What that one person did in who knows how much time. The teams had that like, done for. No, I'm saying that's like five people in an analytics department to do that for a team they've got multiple people who work on those things so like that's the way it's going like those people probably should be hired in one way or another because they could put more focus on a certain aspect of their analytic process you know what i mean as opposed to just because they do one full set of analysis and another team is doing Oh, let's do it this way for five different with five different people, and they come up with their own number because they're tracking things differently than other people do. This is what they consider a like. I'm I'm not saying this is exactly the way they do it, but I'm just looking for an example quickly because I don't want to spend twenty minutes on this. Right. Um, they track zone entries differently. Right. This is what we consider a zone entry. This is what you're going to count as a controlled zone entry or a, a non-controlled zone entry, right? Right. Like and there, there's different thing. criteria, right? Like right. there is with any so that, model. That's all it is. It's well, just that. And I did see multiple people kind of uh, poking fun at the fact that the Flyers announced they were like tripling the size of their analytics department, and then their first move is to double down on a guy who's not exactly beloved by the analytics community. Because I think it has <laughs> nothing to do with it. I know it's just funny. Um, so back on wrist uh, uh where do we go from here? Like, obviously, he's going to be a flyer for the next five years, but what does that mean for the trade deadline? Are they 
does that change anything? Like, obviously, it changes that you're not moving him, but does it change anything else? Like, do you think any flyers that were previously maybe on their way out are now on the table to stay? Like, for example, Derek Broussard or... No, because if you're on a one-year deal and you haven't been... Uh, Ristolainen, there was always only two possibilities. It's either you're getting traded or you're re-signing. There was no in-between. Walk at the end of the year. That's not an option. Well, because they spent too much to right. get him in the first place. It's you know, it, there's, a, there's a big difference between, oh, oh, well, Derek Broussard didn't work out at the deadline. We can't trade him. Oh, well, that was a we $900,000 contract. We eat the $2 he walks. No big deal. It, was, it wasn't even that. Oh, you're right. Broussard was less than a mil. Like, there's a big difference between, oh, well, we tried the low-risk, high-reward signing. He couldn't stay healthy enough. We weren't a good enough team. We should have like we we tried to trade him. Nobody would take him. We get. I guess we just have to ride out the rest of the year no on nine. No big deal. Like, Somebody's like, got to play. Like, you know who's going to end up fitting that bill more than likely? Keith Yandel. Like Yandel's probably the guy who no, like no who he, he's here for the rest of the year. There's no. I don't think he's like obviously I don't think he's sticking around beyond this year. But you I also, don't think I don't anybody think, brings him in just as an extra like a body in the playoffs. A voice not, in the room. I, I'm not going to call it impossible because because hell, he goes for a, a sixth or whatever, a well, conditional I, seventh. <laughs> I'm not going to call it impossible. Hell, they traded Eric Gustafson last year. So oh man, you're not, I'm not wrong. Gonna, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's not happening at all. But I'm also not going to say I expect it. Broussard's different. I think Broussard's actually turned it on just a little bit here lately that it's going to open enough eyes that somebody will give you something for a guy like that for a playoff run. So, did we have anything else on wrist lining, or do we just want to move full blown into our trade deadline preview? Well, uh, we can get there, kind of. Like, I need to talk about what, to me, what the wrist and signing means. Yeah, because again, I call it. It's perfectly. Av- he's a perfectly average player. That and now. I, I, I'm trying to make sure we didn't go too far off the rails because we got into analytics all of a sudden, and it kind of took me off of the money aspect of it because. Right. I've had to kind of try to explain that a guy like and again it kind of goes back to where I brought up crossing broad for a second because they had the story like Anthony Sanfilippo had a story out about how there was a report or he was reporting that from a, from a source that they had a six year six point two five ish million dollar AAV on the table for Rishon. Now listen again, I'm fully fully crediting Anthony because of the fact that he is plugged in in a lot of ways and he's about as creditable uh, as it gets and so he got half of this right from this like the source that he got it from it was half right and uh, this and that's not to discredit him right like he was absolutely a thousand percent on point with the fact that like hey don't be surprised if there's a contract extension coming they actually are talking about they're it. talking that's right. the right part there's no way and this is not nothing against him or his source but there's no way that there was ever an offer for more than $6 million on the table. Because it would have been snap taken if he signed. ended up on 5.1. 5.1 million. So there right. was no offer for $6 million. That's just logic. That's not that's not anything against what a source is telling you. And you never know. Maybe that was what he was asking for. Or maybe not, that was... Not not unless the only way they were going to the 6 mil was... The sixth year. The sixth year. And he might have wanted a, a little bit of an earlier out. Maybe. Give him one more chance you know, to sign another that's contract. That's the only it, way I can right. see that being completely a thousand percent true. But okay. I'm I find it hard to believe that a guy would not not just say no to six million dollars, but then also take a pay cut. Oh, right. From what he made on the previous contract, which this was the hard part that I had to explain to people because there's a lot of people who are sitting here going, "Oh my God, why would you offer six million dollars to that guy?" Right. Right. 
when he signed the contract that he's on, that he's finishing up right now this season, was I think it was a six-year deal with Buffalo, right? At five point four million, with a, of a cap hit. If you're making five point four million at that time to be a number one defenseman, basically, right? What do you think you're worth six years down the line if the minutes really didn't change? Right, the role didn't really change. Like a top you four think about, now goes for six million dollars. Right, you kind of think about. I don't know if you've heard the story of uh, PK Subban in Montreal, and when he signed his bridge deal, he signed like a three-year deal, and he told them, "Okay, I'll sign this three-year deal at five million dollars or whatever it was, but at the end, it's nine million. And then when they came around for negotiations in three years, they sat down in Montreal and said, okay, what do you want? And P.K. Subban said, nine million. nine million. And they went, you're going to Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, down the road, but still. Um, That's a trade that... Man. Here, that, you know what's funny about that trade in hindsight? It almost worked out for both teams. It absolutely did. That might be one of the most even trades. Like, one, most like, even one-for-one one blockbuster trades right, in history. Like it, and that's like I'm not saying it didn't work complete like at all. Like obviously it worked. Nashville was in the playoffs regularly with him on the roster. Montreal was in the playoffs again with him on the roster. Yep. It's a shame that Weber's hurt Bo- and his career Bo- is basically over. It's Bo- both guys made a Stanley Cup final. Well, that's exactly my point. That's yeah. why I said it. It almost yeah. worked out for both. Either way, um, Nashville should have won that 2017 Cup, man. <sighs> They were so, so good that year. Sorry. Yeah, they were. Back, back on Ristolainen. <laughs> so, so the money doesn't bother me. $5.1 okay. million does not bother me in any way, shape, or form. It's is left, it the five-year it term? Making, well, the five-year term is, is certainly a problem because it's you're latching on a lot of stuff. If it would have been three, I probably would have said, all right. Well, because think of the alternatives. They could have traded for Jeff Petrie. Like that yep. report was out there, and you're going, that feels really counterintuitive to what you want to do that's a guy who's older like at least wrist line and if you said three years 5.1 mil you go all oh, right at least he's 27 so you got him for the next three years maybe maybe you know okay maybe like right you know, maybe like, you're if, good by that third year and he's kind of a top four top six guy and in the meantime he can right. kind of hold the fort down somebody's right. got to play right like the there's two big issues with it because and and none of these are none of the two big issues are wrist fault by the way no because the, t- the two big issues are, number one, that you continue to kind of pump out this, again, and here's the first time I'll actually say the words that you've been waiting for, this aggressive retool that you talk about. There it is. That makes it sound like you think you're going to contend next year, which I don't see to be the case. No, me neither. And, well, and here's the thing. This is, and this is where my problem lies. First of all, let's talk about Ristolainen, the player, and why this makes very little sense from a front office standpoint. You spoke at this press conference about a few different things when it came to specific players, talking about the way that the team is playing now, talking about the way that it looked like it was going, talking about where you need to improve. And Chuck Fletcher was even interviewed yesterday during the game and, and talked about, you know, oh, we, we, we just need to, we need to add more skill and more speed and more depth and all this stuff. And. But we have some good pieces and a good under twenty five pieces, and we think we we think we have something going here. That was basically the, I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically the gist of what he said. Right. And if you watched the actual game, which if you didn't, I don't blame you. 
It was the farthest thing from that. <laughs> You're playing a top three team that it that miraculously was a one one game. Yep. Until four minutes to go. And by the way, your goal was from Derek Brassard. <laughs> Which is actually fine because yeah. you, you, right now that's exactly the type of player you oh, need. Oh, pump that trade value. Absolutely. Right. I mean, actually, if nothing else, the shame of it is, and, and I'm not disappointed that the Flyers are now home for three of the next four leading up to the deadline while Claude Giroux is sitting on 899. It's kind of a shame and, that the one road game, though, is like the timing is poor. Uh, it is, but it's not. I don't think it's going to matter, to be honest. No, I understand. But still. I, look, if there's if there is any way to salvage one night of this season to make it enjoyable <sighs> to call it your top night of the year. Let let Claude Giroux go scoreless tonight against Montreal. Come in on let Thursday against Nashville and, and score a goal, which moves him into eighth place all time by himself in franchise history and goals, and gives him the nine hundred points in his thousandth game. Man, and that's the ride off into the sunset. Man, but like that's my point. Let it be something like that, you know. <sighs> I hope, and it kind of feels a lot like um, two years ago, or 2019, holy, three years ago. You come into the stadium series, big emotional game, right? and you know you're trading Wayne Simmons. And like, it just, man, it it feels a lot like that. You're right. Yeah. So, let's go back to Ristolainen for a minute and about what this means. So, you're going to talk about all those areas and things like that, and it's, you know... But but you, like you're you were talking about how oh so Broussard's the one scoring the goals that's good for them. Sure, Giroud's been quiet. He like, has. It's weighing on him, and you can he, see it. In his he's gripping the stick. He's trying to do a little too much. Yep. And you know, for, look, also for lack of you know depth around the the organization anyway, because of the fact that again, when you take Sean Couturier out of the lineup for the whole year. When you end up having to move other, like when there's other guys get moved around. Now Scott Lawton's not playing because he took a hit. He's out. You've got, you know, Kevin Hayes who's still playing at a percentage of himself. The, what the hit that hurt Scott know. Lawton, by the way, clean as hell. I didn't see anything. Man, that was either. a it was a it, nasty hit. Like it was clean. Was Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. complaining about it, but it was a nasty little hip check. Right. So there's just not enough like. You're just not going to get enough when it comes to, like, hey, look, Drew's got to be the guy. I think Drew will play with an energy going into Thursday that we haven't seen. And I don't think it overly affects what, you know, I think it affects it maybe a little bit. But I don't think it overly affects what they could get back in return for him. Because at the end of the day, it's still a guy with the career trajectory that says he's worth your time in a playoff race. I was going to say. you can add him as depth. Like, and he- nobody's asking him to be the superstar wherever he goes. And he's known around the league as one of the most quietly competitive guys. Like, you know, I, I talked about that stadium series earlier, and, and I, I assume you watched the mic'd up, the wired afterward, and he bet Doug Peterson he'd win the ceremonial face-off. Like, come on. Oh, right, right, right. That's yeah. a competitive guy. And <laughs> he's going to be a monstrous asset to whoever adds him for the playoffs. He is going to come in with, fire do we have to get into it now are we uh are we no done no because no, 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 i'm still on Ristolainen okay why okay is it making sense because because you're sitting here talking about how Derek Broussard's the only one scoring yeah goals, yeah which, which is not really true i mean he's only got two since he came back i think so i, I know 
Either way, it's like those are the guys that you're going to try to move, and that makes all the sense in the world. And I don't know, like it's not. Drew really needs to be like it needs to be a little bit of a game changer, and that's why Ristolainen and being moved would have helped too, because it's the next highest game changer. I mean, Justin Braun's going to net them probably something pretty nice too. I don't want to okay. say it's not like it's the truth. Again, think about Justin Braun for a minute here, veteran right-handed defenseman. Yep. People go crazy. Get Has ready. Some I'm deep not, puff I'm, experience. I'm just, and all I'm saying is, is that, and because the next time we have a show, it's all trade deadline, right? Everything that yep. happened. Don't don't be surprised if, if there's a second round pick coming back for Braun. Really? Seriously. Okay. People I was go, thinking third or fourth, crazy but okay. For a right-handed vet on the blue line. Okay. Don't be surprised if a second-round pick comes back for Braun. Or I don't want to just lean on that it's only a second-round pick or that he may not be part of a package. So something that I've seen speculated is that the, the wrist-aligning contract pushes out Travis Sanheim. A, do you think that's true? B, do you think he gets traded before the deadline? No. Okay. Or, well, no, no to the second question. Okay. Does it push him out? Maybe. I don't I don't think it should. Because he's up after next year, correct? Yes. At 4.7-ish. Well, and, 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 uh, listen, I'll tell you why I don't think it should. It shouldn't because when Ristolainen is telling you the reason that he feels like he signs is because because of the fact he likes playing with, he likes all of his teammates, but he does really like playing with Travis Sanheim. And Sanheim kind of, those nights when you're going to sit there and say, oh, he hasn't been as bad, those are nights where usually Sanheim's lifting his game just a little bit. Right. Sanheim's had moments where when he's on offensively, when he's really showing some aggression, showing some confidence with his offensive ability, you know he's on. Right. And that's the full... To and me, he's been wheeling recently. That's the full potential of the player. Yeah. And he's been playing pretty well. My problem with everything about the wrist line and deal is it, it, the term is a bit of a problem because it's it's latching on to, to me for the next half decade an embodiment of what the previous decade was, which is we're perfectly average. average. The, message, the message is not contending. Like when they sit there and they say they think they can contend next year, can. Ten for what exactly? So and, what you know, like what you're looking like, for it, it, is a shape up or ship out mentality. And instead, we're not getting completely accepting the norm and mediocrity. No, I, what I'm looking for is an actual honest approach that isn't. Hey, you know what? We think we can throw a like throw you know what at the wall and hope it sticks. Right. Which, this team you know, should, and I'm, I have the cap friendly pulled up. Mm-hmm. The team should be willing. To trade James Van Riemsdyk with a year and a half left on his contract and retain half salary. Because ne- you don't need the money next year because you're going to be bad next year. And you can maximize value and get a haul for JVR with a year and a half left at $3.5 million. Tell and me I'm wrong. I know, and it's funny as hell that you're going to say they should because they won't. I know they won't. And that's why I said they should be willing to. Because that's the kind of move that you need to make to get a haul back. I don't even think that's going to get you even close to a haul. Oh, I supremely disagree. I think the problem with JVR is that seven. And I think if that seven turns into three and a half, that's a whole different animal. He's having pr- quite possibly the worst year of his career, though. I understand. So value I'm low. Like, I don't know that a team out there is even willing to sit there and say, yeah, three million. You know who is? Arizona. 
because they, they need to hit, fair, they need but to that doesn't do anything. It. No, I know, but I'm saying that they would take the whole deal. But that's the type of team that it's going to appeal to. And yeah. otherwise, you buy them out and say someone else go sign him for whatever you think he's worth. I was gonna say like JVR, that, JVR might end up playing with Shane Gostasbury again next year. Does it look like he's having a bad time out there, though? No, he's doing great, and he looks like he's having fun. I know they're not a good team. Does it look like they're having a bad time? No. Shane Gostaspear looks like he's having fun, but to be fair, he kind of always looks like he's having fun. He wasn't having fun here last year. (sighs) That's because he wasn't playing. (laughs) No, it's because they wouldn't let him play the way that he should, which, you know, (laughs) start adding up who they don't allow to play the way they should. Yeah. They they didn't do that a whole lot. I okay, think so, so all right. Go ahead. I think that the wrist aligning deal, here's the problem with it to me. You've got people in the front office, a lot of the focus, and here's the thing. You sent you sent me on Friday night. The deal was fresh from Thursday. You sent me Friday, the Dangle podcast, and they actually didn't even focus on anything Toronto Maple Leaf based for a change and, and title it as such. They literally just titled their podcast Chuck because – Steve Dangle has some personal vendetta against, yeah, as much as it might be a bit, a personal vendetta against Chuck Fletcher. Don't let him spend your money, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. Sure. Which, which in reality, I think is a little bit dumb only because of the fact that there are th- half of the teams in the league have ownership that can hand a general manager, any general manager, money and say, here, just spend it like it's nothing. And right. most teams do, and most teams make bad signings with them. So it's not like sure. that's he's alone. And to be fair, they do I also rail think... against kind of the general old boys club, and a lot of those guys are guilty of that. So, like, fair. okay, that's my problem. Okay, fair because enough. I don't, I don't think that Chuck Fletcher's making this signing on his own. Okay, I don't think he's the one who's infatuated with Ristolainen. I think that this is a guy who sat up there at the halfway point of the season and tried to sit there and tell you that they need high impact talent, which everybody agreed with. Tried to tell you, then gets asked, so how do you get it? Started to talk about building through the draft, sometimes high draft picks. They, 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 let's just say, without having to say it, we all know they're getting one this year. They're getting a top five pick this year probably, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. Good, good news for this year, but it's not the best draft, but you'll get something in the top five. Top five picks usually are pretty good no matter what draft year they're sure. in. Usually, you know, big, big old hard exception on 2017. Outside of Kale McCarr. I was going to say, you want Kale McCarr, Miro Heiskanen? Who do you want? Heiskanen's good. Oh, now, Heiskanen, oh. I don't know if you saw this. Heiskanen just got diagnosed with mono. So I know. Well, that's wishing him a speedy recovery. Yeah, that's that. That's no fun. That's no. awful. Especially that's for bad. especially for the type of player he is because he's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, no, but like, Heischer's not the guy. Heischer was a first overall pick. He's not the guy. Like, Jack no. Hughes is more the guy, right? Doesn't mean he's a, and sure. that doesn't mean Heischer's a bad player. No, he's Nolan Patrick can't stay healthy. Pedersen's pretty like pretty good, but I don't know that he's like through the roof good on that team because he's not as he's not the leading scorer out there. It's not like he's the go to. JT um, Miller's more of a go to than Pedersen is. I'm still telling you, Nolan Patrick scoring a clutch playoff goal for Vegas this year. Mark it. That's an, you have an awful lot of confidence in his health then. I'm not saying he's going to play 20 games. I'm not saying he's going to score 25 points. You think uh, but he's, he's going to score a, a He's going to score and a have goal. one big moment. We'll see. I, I mean, he doesn't exactly have a lot. Yeah, but Vegas you know, isn't super deep in center. So if he's healthy, he'll play. No, no, no. I know. But I, I think that they play him in a role where he's not exactly out there trying to go score goals every night right now. That's fair. That's just me. That's just me. Either That's way. Fair. 
All right, so I don't think Chuck Fletcher's the one who's infatuated with Rasmus Ristolainen. I think that... Name names. <laughs> you, you already know the names. Who are the senior advisors on the team? You know what Rasmus Ristolainen would be a great Broad Street bully, wouldn't he? But it's not that, okay? Because I saw a lot of people on Twitter who were kind of trying to not defend it, but like sitting here saying, Broad Street bully mentality, we kind of misuse the term for, oh, it's the fight club. Right. You know, it's not. You know, like, it's not just fighting. They were a tough team to play against, and they had Hall of Fame skill yep. behind it to back it up. I don't understand the infatuation for five more years with a guy who literally the label of his game is he's big and he hits people. Right. I don't even know if you can sit there and completely say full, you know, all the physicality. That's what they're going to lean on. That's why that's the way I wrote it because that's what they're going to lean on. We traded but, Robert, we traded Robert Hag and Shane Gostaspear for both of them in one player. Kind, well, I can't even say that for Gostaspear because he didn't even move the puck that well. But you know what I mean though. He he kind of brings a little bit of that offensive spark. He does have He's more offensive than Robert Hag, fair enough. But right. It just. Well, my point is, is that I sit there and I, like I, I even sat there and described it because I said, you know what, this is the type of player that Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren played with as players. Drool over. A, let alone that they loved when they were in management. Let alone what it was always all about. Yep. Like you got to look at the way that the game's going. Look at the way that teams play against you. You defend way too much, and you don't have anybody who really moves the needle when it comes to. Hey, that's a really skilled guy who can carry the puck and get you offensive zone time. Hey, that's a guy with some speed. Right. You don't have any of that. So if if this is the start of the so-called, hey, I can write a blank check for whoever you want, that's a really weird one to write a blank check for and say, and it, like, again, I'm not even criticizing the money of it. The money of it's actually pretty normal for a top four defenseman. Just right. this top four defenseman who by minutes, by minutes and being a right-handed shot alone – just because doesn't a guy plays top four minutes doesn't mean he's a top four defenseman. No, but I think he could be. Like, uh, fair, fair. The problem is, is that he's not playing next to a guy who ever who like in Sanheim who he's Sanheim's not consistent enough to be the puck moving guy all the time. He just does. He just isn't. He's not like that. And they don't get any support from the forwards to make it easy to move the puck out either, which would change the game too. If Ristolainen could be the last guy back and have an outlet more times than not. He might be a better puck-moving defenseman because he's making a play to get the puck out of the zone and they are moving in the right direction. That doesn't happen. Right. And then you're talking about a team that basically for the next five years, and this was the way I read it, who for the next five years told you, you know what contending is to us? If we can just get in the playoffs, we're in the tournament, and maybe we can make a run. That's what they told you that is acceptable. Right. And I think that that is absolute. Like, if you want to sit there and say giving Ristolainen money, like that is organizational malpractice, which is a, war, a term I've heard. I think even Snow the goalie used that because you got to remember something. A podcast is more than just the two of us going back and forth like Snow the goalie is with three people. Things get a little more hyper. Well, no, it's not that. There's just they're varying opinions. Yeah, you've got, you get someone's going to like and Anthony's kind of like the way that I am when I'm on here because I, I have to kind of pump the brakes and go like, listen, I'm just, just trying to tell you how, how the league operates because I'm down there all the time. You right. hear people talk. You know, that kind of thing. But if you want to sit there and say that $5.1 or $6 million for a line in his organizational malpractice just because you don't like the player, 
then I think you're a little bit off base. Fair. If you want to say five years for a guy like that, which just screams average, is organizational malpractice, you got a point. Okay. Because it's, you're accepting. It's the combination. It's five you're, years at that number. It, it is, but it's you're accepting. Like There needs to be an element of, and this is why I keep saying it the way that I do, I think you'd have support from people if you just admitted, hey, you know what? The next three years aren't going to be good. Right. Sorry. Gonna be, they're going to be pretty we poor. We need to tear it down, and we need to start to build it up through the draft again. Put out a letter new, like the New York Rangers did. Right, and there's going to be new everything, and eventually we're going to come out of this on the other side. And when we do, we want you there with us, which is yep. kind of what Ristolainen tried to say when he had his little press conference, too, which is like to sit there and say like he wants to be here for the other side. When we turn I'll, it around I'll, next I'll, year, which is, is all he's ever going to say because that's fair. Players and they're players and they're always going to play their hardest and they're always going to try their best to win. And, and players have to talk like that because if they yep. sat there and they said, hey, like, th- I want you to think about why Shane Gossespierre is not here. Yep. Because if Shane Gossespierre came out and said, I-, I don't know what to tell you. We're trying, but we're not winning games. And it's not like this isn't fun. This isn't good. Blah, blah, blah. Like. Being brutally honest doesn't help you in, when it comes. Like, think about if you were ever brutally honest about your shortcomings at your job, what happens? Oof. They let well, you go. Okay, so I do want to mention, since we're on uh, ex-Buffalo Sabres who have been brutally honest this week, <laughs> you heard Jack Eichel's comments after the Buffalo game, right? Yes, I did, and there's two sides to it because I think that, I, I you know, I think that he doesn't need to worry about that. If fans boo him, fans boo him. Welcome to playing on the road kind of yeah i know it's been a little while but welcome to playing on the road in front of fans um at the same time i don't know what buffalo fans are pissed off at him for when all he wanted was a fair medical procedure and medical practices on a thing that right he felt and like that's get him back into a game and they flat out denied him it and that's my thing is i think if if it was your typical contract dispute where the player asks for more money than the organization's willing to give them and they they ask for a trade or they don't like the coach or they don't like the GM or they don't like their teammate or if there's some sort of drama involved and someone's getting traded, I understand a little bit of heat. Or if someone walks away for more money like the John Tavares situation, I understand the heat. This is a guy making the best decision for the rest of his life. Right. So well, his neck surgery, so, man. You know what? Like, here's where I'm at with like with that comment. I don't know if it's a comment that Eichel needs to say with a microphone in front of him, if you will. Like, in terms of, that sounds like the thing that you say to your teammate in the locker room afterwards, like where you sit there and go, boy, that must be the first time they've ever been that energetic about anything in seven years. It took All it took was trading me for them to get, like, that way, for okay. them to be into the game, right? Like, like uh, and, and to an extent, I get it. Like, you're frustrated, you lost the game, you didn't, you know, your your team didn't win, and your team's not playing well at that point. And by that point, you're talking about a team that lost lost in Philly and lost in Buffalo. It's not a good week for you. So it's funny that you mention that that's the kind of thing he should say in the locker room. So, you know, I'm a little bit of a pro wrestling guy. We've talked about it just a bit on the show. We've touched on it a little bit. See, I saw in his eyes that Jack Eichel knew what he was doing, and he knew he was turning heel. He knew that in Buffalo, they already hated him, and he just steered right into it. It's Bret Hart in the United States in 1997. When he's in Canada, he's a hero, but when he's in the States, they hate him. 
That's exactly what Jack Eichel decided to do. You could tell he had that line locked and loaded. Well, you know what? Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just fueling things. I mean, let's put it this way. At the end of the day, he also has the last laugh anyway because he's going to the playoffs in a couple right. weeks, like a couple weeks. And, and quite, quite frankly, note on his execution, the promo works a little bit poorer, Jack. You can do better than that. You got to say it with a little more conviction. He kind of whipped well, out well, on it. You know what? That See, that might have helped me a little bit. Like the way it was said was almost like bitter. Yeah, as opposed to, but he kind of wimped out on it. He didn't really let it, you know, right. vit and venom fly. He kind of went, "It's the loudest I've heard it." <laughs> well, and again, I think that that's it's better. Like maybe two hours later, it would have come out better. Like yep. ten minutes after a game, it's he was still lost. breathing heavy, right? Yeah, like we lost. We should like we were in that game. We should have won. You know, we didn't. I expect, I get, you know, I guess all it took was me leaving for them to feel like that. That's the way it was said. It was almost said like muttering it. Like, yeah. Next time I expect you to grab the mic, look directly into the camera and go, I never liked Buffalo. <laughs> next time you hear me, Buffalo, this Saturday at WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, maybe it would have been better, but either way, <laughs> I, I think that uh, like back to back to wrapping up the wrist and the line is yeah. what I think it means because of the fact that. Yeah. And we do have is. to get to the trade deadline and Claude Giroux here. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Trade deadline preview. This was half of it. Yeah, because yeah. Because we were we expected Rasmus Ristolainen to be going. Like before... I didn't expect it completely. I figured it was going to be a Scott Lawton situation come down to the wire. But right. I didn't think that they were. I didn't think they were going to have if they were going to do a deal. I didn't think they were going to do a deal a week and a half out. That's fair. A little like, closer to the the last it, minute there. It really came together quickly. Now I I think that that was also there was some pressure on Ristolainen. By the way. I think because the fact that you could stick to your guns and say, I'm built for the playoffs. I want to go into the playoffs. I want to go and see if I can show them what I've got and then yeah. enter the free agent market and see if you can't get more. But was anybody else going to pay you $5 million? Right. Or are you signing for point? three and a half somewhere? Right. Or, or was your next trip going to be, okay, now you're playing for a good team. Let's see what happens. And yep. oh, no, he fell flat. Look at what, look at what this guy did he, in the playoffs. He gets to stay the big fish on so, a bad team. Kind of. And look, you know what? Listen, something else to consider, and this is going to apply to a couple people. This isn't going to just apply to Ristolainen. It's not going to, it applies to Claude Giroux. It applies to Justin Braun at this point. Braun has a little bit less of a say, I'll call it. Right. Because Braun doesn't have the no move clause. That's, right. Ristolainen doesn't either, for what it's worth. But Ristolainen, when it comes to, hey, a team, like the Flyers were always interested. The, the key to any trade was Ristolainen was going to stick to his guns and say, I'm built for the playoffs. I'm please get me to the playoffs. Getting, please get me to the playoffs. And they would have had to do it if that was the case. But he wanted to. He also was still interested in staying in Philadelphia because it was. It's it's yep. only year one, and they were interested in keeping him. Having yep. mutual interest and somebody telling you, "Hey, we brought you here. You've uprooted your life from Buffalo to Philly." We don't. We're not going to make you uproot your life again unless you really want to. And in his <laughs> mind, like. Like there is a human element of it where you go, I don't want to move. Right. Now Trust uh, me, Justin, I know. Now Justin Braun doesn't have a say in that. And I don't think Justin Braun really cares because I think Justin Braun's at a point in his career where the clock's ticking. You might want to go somewhere where you have a shot. I and I don't know if he cares. Like he, there's nothing to indicate that he cares, even though his names come up. Claude Giroux, on the other hand, is a different story. Because if you're Claude Giroux and you're 15 years into a career 
and you came in and you were a kid. You came a literal kid. And now you're 34. Now you're married, two kids, life built in Philly. It's not so yep. easy to just say, let's go ahead and move. I don't think that that should mean he shouldn't go somewhere else. Right. I think that in fairness, you have to bite the bullet. Yep. This isn't, and this is not about like, that's not about for a shot to win. That's right. about the organization will do anything for you. You owe yep. it to them to know what you're staying around and just letting the season play out means. Oh, right. So you owe it to them to at least get what Let they them can get the assets. for you. Yep. Now, here's where it gets cloudy because. And so you say that, and by the way, I do agree with you for the most part, but I do. Oh, he's earned his no move clause, and I respect his right to not exercise it if he chooses not to exercise it. Right. That's not where I'm going with this. I understand okay. that. Here, but here's, here's where things get cloudy in that respect. What's the worst thing that could happen here? Like, what's the worst case scenario with Claude Giroux? Oh, we could sign. Oh, never mind. Uh, with Claude Giroux. Um, oh, man. I don't know. What do you. What are you... That, he, that he doesn't get traded right. and then still walks at the end okay. of the year. Right. That's the worst case scenario. I've said before if you're not going to get what you think he's worth, you can do a lot worse than having Claude Giroux on your roster. Sure. Now, I'm not defending the fact that it probably is time. It's yeah. Been 15 years. At some point, you got to turn the page, I think start you, a new chapter. You respect you respect him enough that the price stays pretty high. And if no one reaches that price, you hold on to him. Because if the guy is a flyer for life, then the guy's a flyer for life. I don't know about that. So because you think so, if, for example, nobody offers a first-round pick and the best you get is like a second, a third, and a decent prospect for Claude Giroux, are you taking that? I'm not happy about it. I, I think that they still need to try. Like, here, you think okay. the stockpiling assets is is important enough? No. Here's what I here's where I'm going with this. If that's the best you're going to get for him, if he's also dead set on finishing his career with the Flyers after the fact, then I don't. You have need a, a contract extension. Well, no, but I don't have a problem if he goes to hypothetically speaking Florida. Okay. I'm picking a team that's in the race. Right. He goes to Florida. Florida gives you two draft picks, not a first, but gives you two draft picks, maybe a prospect on top of it, because right. they're, they're scouting people left and right. Although I wouldn't mind Owen Tippett, for the record. Owen Tippett's okay. I think that if you're going to go Florida, you need, uh, what's in the, what's the kid's name, Dennis Sanko? Okay. I think you need that kind of level player. Depends on what picks you're getting back, but yeah, I agree. But either way, let's say you get that, but then there's, Kind of like a handshake agreement, like we're moving you for the next two months, and then right. we'll sign you. And then he comes back well, like Thomas Pekanic well, did. Now you've and... done a lot worse. Like you, you could have done a lot worse than trading him for a few assets, and then he comes back. That's fair. I don't think he's going to come back. I, like, here's the problem with me thinking he's going to come back, or with me hearing people think he could come back. Yeah. You never like. A lot of people stay like for a player like Giroux, who's been in the same city for 15 years. The concept of change is a kind of frightening one. Yep. I have to move my whole life where? But is Florida, the grass – Florida, Colorado. But, but is the grass greener? And Well, exactly. And you never know unless you go. And if you go and you win, that creates bonds. Right. right. Right, you go, you go twenty five ground, twenty five games deep in the playoffs with a group of guys, right. and raise and, the trophy. And, you got and, some and bonds there. 
Right. And and listen, there's one like there's different elements to it because there's one element where, you know, listen, you can argue the case that, okay, he's been in Philly his entire career. It's hard to leave when you've built the life here. But, you know, you, you have a wife and two young kids. It's not like the kids are in school yet at that age. Like you're sitting here like yes. at that point, you sit there and you go, okay, you don't have to completely uproot your life you still have a little flexibility well, or not, not completely uproot your life but it's not like you're telling your kids hey change schools it's not like you have 10 year old kids involved in soccer and right it's not like you had your first kid when you were 27 and you're 37 now trying to win but also sitting here saying uh i gotta find a new school for my kid at right 10. Like the chemo teaminen situation comes to mind i think his family just stayed here right different because he was retiring. Yeah, but if Claude Giroux's 38, 39 years old and it's the final chapter, like, legitimately, then you're not really uprooting your whole life. You're saying, hey, for two months I'm going to go do this. You're um, Ray Bork in it. But, but you, well, sort of, because Ray Bork stayed another full year. Oh, you're right. He oh, did, right. didn't he? Because so, yeah. they didn't win the first year he was there. They won the second year. Right, right, right. Sunset. But either way, um, like in Drew's case, if that was all it was, then yeah, you know what? For two, three months at a time, or whatever it is for that portion of it, you make you make trips back to your family whenever you can. You fly them out whenever you can. You get an apartment where you can hold everybody. And any game within it. three hours, they're coming to. Yeah, as much as possible, yep. and things like that. Like you do what you can. Yep. You know, there's nothing you can do. But it's you know this is this isn't a guy who's got a year like the rest of this year or just this year and next year left. He's got, He's got another contract in him, right. right? Another real contract, three, four years at several million dollars. Like Claude Drew has another real contract in the NHL waiting for well, him. Well, like, and here's the thing: like, not to shift it back to Risto for a second, but the Ristolainen deal for a little while there was like a, a hint of a report out that was like, oh, this might include a no trade clause. Oh, for Jesus a Christ! It and doesn't, does it? No, it doesn't. Okay, but, but <sighs> bear in mind, this is the type of stuff that can happen. When you have guys with no trade clauses, like Kevin Hayes has a no move clause, right? Uh, yes. Think you can just move him for anything. No. The guy's got to sit there and say, "I'm willing to go somewhere." That yep. makes it complicated. He holds the cards. He's got the leverage, and that may mean that Claude Giroux does not get you exactly what you think in return. I'm yep. okay. I'm okay with it not getting you truthfully. I'm not okay with it, or I'm okay with it not getting you a crazy high end prospect. I think picks are more important. I think you come away with less than a first round pick, you got a problem. But I think a team is more willing to say, here's the first round pick because it's an unknown. It's a it's a it's, an it's a bag. It's a mystery you, bean. Right. You didn't pick that yet. You right. just it's it's an asset. You it's might just, screw that up. Right. You you never know what could happen. Well, you might screw it up. You might not screw it up. You might take player- Nolan Patrick instead of Kale McCarr. No, but you might not screw it up and you might take a guy who everybody thinks is a good pick and then the guy gets hurt yep. and never plays. That's the risk, right, with the draft pick. So, so I think that's what they need to – but I think that's what they need to come away with because of the fact that – imagine if they had – and I don't care when it is, two this year, two next year, whatever it is. Like imagine if you have two first-round picks and you already know that one of them is going to be high this year and maybe the benefit of a five-year deal with Ristolainen with all due respect to the player by himself because one player doesn't make or break a team completely. Sure they might fall backwards into the rebuild they need. I agree. In terms of like listen, I because to me there's two there's two areas of concern with the with the amount of money that went into into Ristolainen. It's first of all you just told you told everybody your message kind of is we're accepting average. We're yep. accepting you know the contending to us is 
just get there. If you can just get to the playoffs, you never know what happens, which is a real, you know, not really a good approach at this right. point. And the other part of it is, is that you're taking what assets you could have had in terms of cap space for next year to aggressively retool. Yep. And basically now what's going to have to happen, and this is why I'm not sure, like, if you could ask me about any player that could come up as a trade possibility, yep. and I would tell you I'm not sure. Okay. Because, for look, for the entire season, almost the entire season, I've been convinced that Travis Konechny is going to get traded in the offseason. Just a gut feel. No intel here, but I've got a gut feeling. That he'll have three I'm years playing. left at five and a half, and you think? But I, I have a gut feeling that he, it, he needs like it, that they're going to sit there and it's, it's going to be a change, change of scenery. scenery trade. Yeah, but Jake DeBrusque, Boston, not for Konechny. I, I mean, involved in a deal, a, a larger deal. I just mean kind of as a a starting point. Maybe, but but here's so here's the thing. So you got that one right. I think the Konechny might be a goner in the offseason. Sandheim, I'm thinking a little less now because of the fact that, I mean, Ristolainen says he likes playing with him. I don't know you move a guy that the, the guy you just signed for five years likes playing with. Right. And then what about Ivan Provorov? Because Ivan Provorov's just having a bad year. Man, he does not look and the other happy. Engaged. He doesn't look like he's having fun. He doesn't look <sighs> engaged at all. I mean, did you, do you realize what happened in yesterday's game? Because they're in a they're in a situation where it's a tie game. They might get the game. You know, I'm not going to say they're going to win the game because they're not pushing the play actively. But, but they're they, in it. Well, but you're also four minutes away from overtime. Yep. Which okay, overtime. Not that it, not that the points matter, but it gets you a point and maybe gets you a shot to win another game. And I mean, to that point, you've won two of the. You know, you had won two games in a row. Lost in Florida, kind of badly. To be fair. The, the loss in Florida was probably the first time they lost a game that was like a total dud. Like the first period was awful, right? But th that might have been the first time they've had a game like that where they were like in a completely while. out of it in in twenty minutes in a while. I'm yeah, they've they've played a decent little twenty game stretch or so here. Right, they've had a majority of their games where they've lost lately. Be they lose the third period. The first two periods are okay. They're in it, and the third period does not go well. It really is nice what happens when you get NHL players back. <laughs> kind of, but it's but you see how short they are still. Like yep. they're not good enough to win those games. No, otherwise, not. They, other like and and to a respect uh, to to that respect, I understand why you would say maybe. Well, we think we can contend because right because in in truth, if you could just add a little bit, like who's to say that in those games that they lost to Pittsburgh or to Washington down the stretch or Minnesota for that matter. That you're losing down the stretch, two goals in rapid succession, all of a sudden the lead goes to a loss, right? Right. Who's to say that if you're not throwing Sean Couturier out there and Ryan Ellis out there and guys like that, yep. that, that even just a few of them, I'm not saying it means they're gonna, they were going to be in a playoff spot by doing that. Right. But who's to say they're not like still kind of in the running a little Better. And, and and you're closer? Right. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, to me, but see, to me, the problem is that's the problem with the wrist aligning trade because the wrist or trade, the wrist aligning signing, because of the fact that now that you've linked so much to him, you don't have much of anything left to nope. say. Let's improve with it outside of, well, you know, Couturier is coming back next year and Hayes will be healthy next year and Ellis is coming back next year. And it's like, well, that's a lot of hope again. Well, and like you said, they kind of have themselves set up for some some change of scenery trades. We mentioned Travis Anheim; he's a possibility. We mentioned Travis Konechny. You think that's gonna happen? 
you are you are you are set up for some change of scenery trades that could theoretically also continue to shake the roster. Well, right, and I don't I don't know that Pro Rob's going to happen or not. Because here's the right. thing. You could you could make an argument now, and I don't. I, it doesn't mean I think that they're definitely dead set on trading him. You could make an argument though that Provorov is more of the guy that they are thinking about trading than Sanheim at this point, which okay. I think, which in theory I think should be correct. Like I think that you're going to regret trading Travis Sanheim today because he's he's arguably arguably been the best defenseman you've had this year. Okay. Um, I agree with that. But I think you also don't necessarily want to move on from Provorov that early, in a sense that he's going to be he's going to be good somewhere else. Well, he probably will be, but <laughs> age and what's the one thing that he hasn't had this year? He's playing with Justin Braun. Yep. And when start to go wrong, it's not to say that it's Braun's fault, but when Look things start to go career. wrong, who's Ivan Provorov right. played with? He's played with Andrew McDonald, Phil Myers, and Justin Braun. Outside of for the a lot of his. Sure, and what was the year he looked the absolute best he's ever looked in his career? Right, but I mean, you, you do have to wonder if that's the ceiling. Okay, but if that's the ceiling, it's it's worth the six point seven five we got him at. Okay, let me. Rephrase. Is it worth more than that? Eh, maybe I don't know. Okay, hold on a minute. Let me rephrase it then. Not wonder if that's the ceiling. You have to wonder if that's the outlier. Okay, but it's, it, no, it, it it's the only his- season he played with a competent partner. That's the outlier. No, it's but it's not completely because there's also an element to it where he, he he's now how how many years into his career is he now six six seven? or seven six okay at some point in time it can't be the I'm playing with the wrong part I I understand but you got to take a step up and and be as good as you were ever like the, the well, and, no, and I, I have, don't and I don't think he is number one franchise defenseman Mark Howe Chris Pronger but the best we got him at. That year he was with Matt Niskanen, and by the way, I think healthy Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis is a better version of Matt Niskanen, so I assume we would see a better version of Ivan Provorov as well. That's the only season we've seen him with a competent, well, a competent coach and partner at the same time, and that was the best result we've gotten out of him. You know, you're the best team in the league going into the break. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a tough one right now because I I wonder yeah. if. If you're going to be a number one defenseman, like everybody seems to think that he is and everybody wants him to be, and like I'm sure he thinks in his head that he is, especially for where you were drafted, you need to, you can't let the partner be the problem, you can't let the coach be the problem, and you certainly can't let everything that continues to pile up mistake-wise weigh you down like it is right now. I think that's fair. If that's the case, if that's the case... Down to the fact that at one point in time, I think that the Sanheim versus the Linen pairing was getting more ice time than Provorov was. Then there's something to be said for that. I wonder know? how. I wonder how how much that A is weighing heavy on his chest. Like now that now that the team is struggling and he has visible on ice leadership, I wonder if maybe that's kind of affecting how he's playing the game. Yeah, it, it could be, and I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that he needs a change of scenery but like look you're gonna have to start to get really creative with it and who's to sit there and say that maybe you know again maybe you don't draft a forward with your high pick maybe you set yourself up for it you draft a defenseman and provrov gets you the forward hopefully that's not impossible 
I don't know that they're going to do any of those things. It's just complicated to me. Yep, and we, you know, we mentioned the fact that the Flyers are kind of looking to aggressively retool, and they're probably not going to break down and do the long term rebuild. And right. it it's tough for Chuck Fletcher because GMs don't have the luxury of saying, "Hey, if we're bad for three years, I know I'm still going to have my job at the end of it." Right? You know, he pretty much you have to, he has to manage for tomorrow because it's not guaranteed. Like, yeah, he's got a contract, but GMs get fired all the time. You don't have the luxury of like when, and that's the hard part about being where we're at, right? Because it's easy to load up NHL 22 and go, "Yep, I'm just going to be bad for three years and rebuild." And okay, cool, because the NHL 22 owner is never going to fire you, <laughs> right? Like you're you're not going to get put out on the street when your team is 10 and 23. And he but has to manage for next why, year. And but, but this is why they won't get rid of him right now. Like you yep. could, there's there's plenty of reasons why Chuck Fletcher shouldn't have a job at the end of this year. You've gone through two years like this. You're not exactly doing anything that makes you any better on the surface. Why do you still have a job then? Because of the fact that when you break it down, Dave Scott's writing blank checks. Yep. And Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren are still advisors. And yep. This is their pawn. The organization the is rotten who, from the inside this, out. No, but this is the guy who they can sit there and go, if we want it, he'll do it. Yep. Kind of. I mean, I, I, and that doesn't I'm sure mean, within reason. Well, like, yeah, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that this is the way that Chuck Fletcher necessarily wants to build it. And I think this is just you got an owner who's going to sit there and go or not even an owner. You have a governor who is the representative of the business that owns the team. The ownership group representative. Yeah. That's going to sit there and say blank check. Here you go. Do whatever you want. So get ready for who, whatever big name coach comes in next year too, because it's, it's probably coming. I disagree with it a thousand percent, but it's probably coming. Please don't be Rick Tockett. I I like you, Rick, but we don't need any more flyers here. We don't. Well, if we don't, well, but see, and see, here's here's the thing. If it is, does it validate not validate everything I just said? If it is, um, two former Flyers and a guy who was supposedly brought up under the tutelage of Ed Snyder. Not that, this is, not that this is Dave Scott's fault from the sense of like, oh, if it's in, like an Ed Snyder, like being an Ed Snyder move. I don't think Dave Scott gives a damn. If Rick Tockett comes in, I'm going to get a Connor Bedard Flyer jersey made. That'd be pretty funny, actually. Am I am I am I wrong about thinking about the fact that this all could set themselves up for this kind of, like that like that on the surface right now and I look I can change I could change my mind if he makes any moves that I sit there and I say okay you know what you proved in some way but I'm not sure I see any reason to get excited about an off season where your first blank check move if you will was wrist line in for five Resign more years the guy right one where which not a bad contract in terms of value and spot on the team value and spot on the team it's not it's just it screams we don't care if we're nothing more than average and 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 i'm sorry go into the building like i did on tuesday against vegas or last week not the chicago the chicago game was one of the best attended games of the year but they played at home before that on again on a tuesday or a thursday night very typical you know and there have been Tuesday nights before where it's late arriving crowds. I think the Minnesota game might have been the one that I'm thinking of. Okay. And there was nobody there. It was like 8,000 people. Yep. If that. 
This Thursday is going to be full, though, yeah? This Thursday will, but my point is is that the saying we're going to be average for the next five years or giving that message, does that exactly win people over? Nope. So then what are you doing? That's the thing I have a problem with is to me you're not winning anybody back at nope. all. You're just you're just continuing to spin your wheels in the you know in in the middle of nowhere going nowhere trying yep. to figure out the best way to build this thing back up when it's trying in the, front of you. Trying the best way to put lipstick on the pig. Cuz and, uh, and and they'll make phew. trades and they'll make signings and they'll do all this and that cuz like well, I, I I had somebody I had somebody after the wrist line and deal who sent who sent me and I'm gonna read I want to read off the line combinations because okay. this was hilarious to me not in the sense that well it was there were two things in it that were hilarious to me so I'm gonna read them off and you just tell me what if what you think I find funny about this sure so someone tells says this would be this would be my lineup for next year this is someone who tweeted at me this right here would be my lineup next year first line Couturier Farabee Forrester. Second line, Hayes, okay. Brink, Hayes, Brink, Gaudreau. Third line, Lawton, Allison, Wisdom. Fourth line, Lashinsky, McEwen, Ratcliffe. What do I find funny about that? That's a Phantoms team. That's not what I find funny about it. That's a Phantoms team with three guys on a conditioning stint. Um, That's not really what I find funny about it because there's an element of it where I understand it. That's a wild lineup. I'm not going to lie to you. It is. Okay, but what what are the two parts of this that you think I find funny? Um, Bobby Brink and I I like Zade Wisdom being up there to be honest with you. Okay, I, I'm gonna have to count it on the fly here, but let me try to count on the fly for a minute because that's one, two, three, four. Okay, five. Let's say five. Maybe okay. Maybe even six is the best way to put it. That's a group of twelve forwards, right? Yeah. There are six forwards in that group that have maybe played a combined like five NHL. Right, games. right. Which, if Morgan Frost is any indication, what makes you think they're going to ice a lineup with six guys who barely have NHL experience? If that's the lineup for the first preseason game, cool. And and uh, like here's the thing, I understand the point. Forrester should be really good. He's developed a lot. Fair. He, Bobby, he I I expect him to get a long shot in camp. Bobby Brink is having one of the best college seasons right now. I agree. Again, I understand it. The problem that I have with it, first of all, with all due respect to like the fourth line of Lashinsky and Ratcliffe, it's not enough experience to say that go out it. there and well, like, it, but it's not. Nope. I I don't even like McEwen on there because of the fact that to me McEwen's the replaceable player. This again, this goes back to the infatuation with guys who. Are a just little bit hit. rough and tumble, yeah. But yeah, a little bit rough and tumble because it looks like they're giving more effort and energy than somebody else. Don't get but, fooled by that. But Zach McEwen's really, a... but Zach McEwen's really good at tipping pucks wide of an open net. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say he's really good at coming close to scoring, but never actually scoring a goal. Yeah, because the the net's wide open and he just tips it wide. <laughs> I don't no, I don't hate Wade Allison being part of this team. I, I agree. I need to know that the guy can stay healthy for more than 10 games before I can feel confident in him. I agree. And hopefully See, with a full off season, he's okay. got a little time to. <laughs> but which now, by the way, another aspect of some of the names that were mentioned. First of all, six prospects in there. 
why first of all why would bobby brink make the nhl unless he had the absolute best camp that anybody's ever seen straight right. out of college that's number one please tell um, me you're not taking twitter replies seriously here no i wasn't well okay. uh, th- this this one i think i was because <laughs> i don't think there was any like sarcasm in this should be the lineup this was like and you know why because there's enough mentions of players in the system that it's like, hey, get some of these younger guys up, which is something a lot of people want to see. But but then here's the other aspect. If you didn't think that this was a good lineup. Oh, it's bad. Why, well, no, no, no. But if somebody no, but somebody thinks this is good, I think. Right. Because if you didn't think it was good, why would you replace a Konechny? Because Konechny's not mentioned. Correct. Drew's gone, obviously. Yep. JVR is gone. JVR is gone. Frost isn't mentioned. Yeah, I, did I? I didn't. Did I hear Lindblom mentioned? No. Okay. But somehow or other, all that's supposed to get you Johnny Gaudreau. So somebody played NHL 22 <laughs> and put trade difficulty on easy. Maybe I don't know. Either way, uh, look. I think, and here's the thing. I think you swap out McEwen Ratcliffe for because Lashinsky, I think, could actually be a fourth line center. Sure, but. Just need, but, but here's the problem. Lashinsky, Forrester, Wisdom, they haven't played. They've dealt with injuries. They have not played. Allison as well. Now, Allison you could save for next season in terms of, hey, listen, if he stays healthy and plays the rest of this year, you do the same thing next year. Totally. Go into, go into camp and hope that – because he was making the team this year if he stayed healthy. Like if he didn't have the injury in the rookie right. game, he was going to be on the opening night roster. All right. Before we get out of here – um, we do have to briefly touch on Claude Drew playing his thousandth game. I know it's something we've kind of mentioned throughout the show. Uh, it is this Thursday in Nashville. There is a chance he hits some other milestones as well. Against Nashville. They're, or they're against Nashville. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're at home. Because right. that's a big deal. Because, first of all, I don't know if you saw this, but there's like multiple places on Twitter that are giving away tickets for this game. Wow. Man, I wish. If I lived in town, I would seriously be considering no, no, it. No, 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 no. Now, listen. It's it's done like a contest, so it's like outlets. But look, sure. I'm not going to freak out over 20 tickets being available for giveaway from a bunch of different outlets. You're probably talking like no, because because here's the thing: it's to promote people want to be there. Well, yeah, but uh, listen, having tickets available to give away can also just as easily be. Oh, you know what? Nashville doesn't have that many out of town people, or the family section's not as full, so we do have extra tickets. Right. But either way, the building should. Should be full, should be rocking. I expect the uh, the video package to be excellent. Um, there was a, there was a report. If you uh, saw, I don't know if you saw, but there was a report that kind of indicated that like it's full. Like if if you're, I don't know that. Like I don't know that Claude Giroux is going to be like by the time we have our next show, if Claude Giroux is going to be a flyer. That's probably I don't think he is either. And I wanted to he's, programming note and say by the way that next week's to be episode. A flyer on yeah, next week's yeah, episode we is going to be Monday evening after uh, after the trade deadline after I'm done work. So right, um, Claude Giroux will be a flyer on Thursday though. Yes, and it, as far as I can tell, and, and it's it's kind of annoying because it, that three day break before that Nashville game would be a good time to make a trade like that, but obviously you're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so and, Claude Giroux will be a flyer on Thursday, and that might correct. And well, and might, listen. Well, here's the thing. So because of that, whether he's dealt on Friday or Saturday or Sunday or even Monday, it's 
still a matter of they know what the significance of the 1,000th game is. And it was even touched on on the national broadcast for the Carolina game yesterday because it was 998. But, well, but but well, but Ray Ferraro said something along the lines of like you kind of it's along the lines of you don't see that every day. A guy who plays a thousand with one team the yes. whole way through, it's yep. rare. It's impressive. You, you you tip your cap to the guy, kind of in a way, like all those types of things are what he was saying. And I'm under the impression it if you do anybody out there listening, if you do have tickets to that game. It's one you're not going to want to miss because it sounds Absolutely. like they're going to do some really special things for Giroux, knowing where things could be headed. They're going to give him a golf bag. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Um, no, they're not going to. They're going to give him a golf bag and a hand bandage. <laughs> no, remind him of that one that, time. Right. I don't think they're even going to give him that. Okay. Because I think, like, first of all, I don't know that this has ever happened. It might. But I don't recall this being a thing. Like, there was a whole big deal about, like, Wayne Simmons just played in his thousandth game not long ago. Yeah. So, people make up videos and they play the videos and all that stuff. You know, like. By the way, that video package was flyers light. There was no flyers in Wayne Simmons' video package, and it annoyed me. Anyway. (laughs) Right. Um. Either way, um. They didn't have the actual ceremony for him, though, until after the fact. Like, he plays, and then the next home game, you go, hey, hold on, we're going to honor you. He played his thousandth game. Right. Right. Could we possibly see, like, like, is there any doubt that he's going to be in the starting lineup on Thursday? No. Absolutely no no doubt. Like, be real. So could we actually, like, he hasn't technically taken the ice yet for his thousandth? Like, the game's not counted to his total yet, but here's your silver stick anyway? Probably, um, just because the Sunday game is not guaranteed that he'll still be a member of the roster. And if he is a member of the roster, there's no guarantee he'll be playing because they might just yeah, be like, hey, we're not going to play you and risk getting you hurt. Now, maybe they do something the following night in Ottawa because it is his hometown and maybe there's something there. I yeah, don't know. It doesn't make sense to me because of the fact that like, like the point of it is, is to give him a send off. So... Either he's around until Sunday, and they can do something on Sunday, even if he's just coming out in a suit. Right. Or... I could see something like that happening. I could see them waiting until they can do their pregame whatever Sunday with him in the suit, and then trade him right after that game, because that's an afternoon game, right? Well, no. I like. I don't... Uh, here's what. Here's what, the best way I can put it at this point. He's not missing a game. Okay. I don't think he's missing a game. I think he's going to continue to play and be dedicated to this team as as the captain of this team, regardless of how they play and regardless of how the season's going and all that stuff. If he is still a member of the Flyers, he's still playing. And you know what? The only way that he does not play in a game, like Sunday, for example, is if Chuck Fletcher and management and all that stuff have a deal on the table. Are basically sitting there saying, listen, this thing's lined up and it probably is going to get done in the middle of this game. Or so close to the start of the game that we don't want you to prepare today. Skip the game. If you're still here, well, well, but here's the thing. It's never going to come down to that. Like, as I'm saying it. Because he's got the no move clause and he gets to veto anything. He's going to get to say it. So either it's going to be before he preps for that game on Sunday. Man, let him announce the trade. That'd be cool. (laughs) 
like, to be honest, if anybody comes out and says Claude Drew is not playing in a game prior to the trade deadline, outside then he's of the gone. Two, the deal is already done. He's gone. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good place to leave it. I'm going to hit our socials real quick, but we're kind of going to leave it on the uh, the captain tribute here, I think. Uh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast, Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Find the show everywhere you find podcasts, including sportstalkphilly.com. Uh, other than that, like I said, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to grow that over there. Uh, yeah, I really do think we leave it here on uh, on an ode to the captain, and I'm going to sign off. Uh, oh, captain, my captain. Well, hold that until he's actually gone. Well, he's going to be gone. So, I mean, that's the working title I have for the top 10 Claude Giroux moments that I know I'm going to have to write, which I, I haven't started it yet because of the fact that like, I really want to start to see that something gets – closer to actually happening before i just tribute the whole thing right so well claude whether it's you know shortly after thursday or right before the deadline or whether you come back next season or not you were once our, you are our captain the afternoon before we do the next episode you are our captain for a decade and we love you so one day down the line we know that we'll see you